This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie. I'm Pat. And I'm Andy. Please join us as we go in search of the monsters, myths, and mysteries that surround us this week on Paranormal Dads. Better than ever, I might add. Paranormal Dads. Number nine. Number nine, feeling fine. You always come up with the great rhymes. <laughs> well, that's a skill. It's a curse. <laughs> Ask my kids. They hate it. So we're between holidays right now. We had the, uh, Halloween. We are technically in the holidays, aren't we, though? Well, it's the I beginning. Start Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. That's the holidays, right? We're in the holiday season. We are. And uh, I almost said thanks a ween. Thanks a ween. <laughs> Halla thanks. Halla thanks, miss. Thanks ween. <laughs> thanks a ween. Eve. <laughs> we, uh, so yeah, we are uh, back sitting down together and we have some great new stuff to talk about and share with you. So strap on in as we uh, discuss recent sightings. All right, this week on recent sightings, it was my turn to select uh, the topic, and I chose the thylacine, also known as the Tasmanian tiger. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't help yourself. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not the Tasmanian devil, Eddie. It's the Tasmanian tiger. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Now, this is a, a real creature. We're not talking mythical here. This was a real creature. There's video footage, grainy black and white footage from the early 1900s. This was a creature that lived in Australia and New Zealand. New Zealand? I believe so. And Tasmania. Well, Tasmania. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Well, just all over that area, basically. I think in Iowa. Am I right, Pat? Am I right? Down under. (laughs) Well, anyway, it kind of looks like a mix between a uh, coyote or a wolf or what have you, uh, the creature was actually a marsupial, and it kind of had... Stri- everything there, though? <laughs> yeah, everything's a marsupial. If it doesn't have a pouch, they don't let him in. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but but it, it's not a real big creature. No, no. about, yeah, about the I size mean, of a coyote, coyote, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So not terribly big, about as you know big as your black lab at home. Sure. Or even smaller, I suppose. But it had kind of had stripes on its back, haunches, and, and kind of an elongated uh, muzzle, and just a really, really cool-looking creature. And they're thought to have gone extinct because it was thought that that footage, the grainy black and white footage in the early 1900s, was the last known living creature. And of course, that one was in captivity. But since then, every now and again, you know, uh, Bob or, or Randy down the road claims to have spotted one either with his eyes or on a trail cam. Yeah. And it's it's all hearsay, but in recent uh, months and in recent years, there's just been so many sightings that people are starting to wonder if these creatures uh, survived and are actually making a comeback. So I found an article here uh, from unexplainedmysteries.com posted on September 7th of this year. So just back in the fall, uh, three researchers in, in Australia... Uh, got some trail cam footage. Uh, now, this one of these contraptions that you kind of strap to a tree uh, near a trail that you know animals are known to go through, and uh, kind of digitally captures images when it de- detects movement. And uh, so this was uh, this footage is known as the Booth Richardson Tiger Team. So this is a trio of guys that are monitoring a remote area of bushland in south, uh, southern Tasmania for evidence of the elusive Tasmanian tiger. Um, they said that uh, they were inspired to hunt for the creature after Greg Booth, uh, who's a, a firewood cutter from the Tasmania's Central Highlands area, he encountered what he thought was a, sil- a thylacine in April of 2015. Um, and after monitoring the area for over two years using about 14 uh, different trail cams, the three guys have come forward uh, now in September with some footage of an unknown creature that was recorded at dusk on November 4th, 2016. 
Um, so the, the video, uh, which uh, on this article, you can watch a little YouTube video of it. Uh, it's gone viral, and the footage contains uh, two potential sightings, one of something that's kind of close up to the camera, and then one another that shows a, a four-legged animal walking around in the distance. Now, I watched it, and it, it's, it, it is a little bit hard to tell what it is, but if you look closely, you, it, it almost does, it definitely looks dog-like. And uh, if, you, if my eyes are not deceiving me, it looks like there's some stripes on the back haunches. Hmm. So it makes you wonder. I mean, backpedaling a little bit, is there a more manly job title than Tasmanian woodcutter? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there is. If you don't have a beard, you can't do the job. Get out, mate. Get out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, this, this creature was talked about on Destination Truth recently. He was down in. I think it was somewhere in Australia, and they were actually looking for what they believed to be some kind of a cryptid dinosaur creature, but they discussed this um, this animal as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there also like a traveling circus or some sort of like animal exhibit in Tasmania and Australia and those areas where they had one in captivity for a while? And then it passed, it died. Like, I mean, this wasn't like something where they, right. not recently, I'm talking like seven, yeah. 70 years ago or something right. like that. And that may have been the one that would, they had the footage on the last known footage of that creature. And it's kind yeah. of pathetic because, and you, you can probably find it on YouTube or other places, the last remaining footage of this creature, but it's yeah. kind of pathetic looking because it's really skinny and it's under fed, yeah. it's malnourished and it's, it's just kind of, it's, in a, it's just pacing back and forth in a cage. Yeah. Not maliciously. I mean, it looks pretty peaceful. Right. But, but it's clearly not in its optimum no, no, environment. It, but it makes you wonder, I mean, because they thought the creature was extinct, to my knowledge, it's not like there's any uh, conservation laws of you can't hunt them or anything like that. I think now, they're protected as a thing. Right oh, now. are they just in case they're still alive? I, I don't know. I may be wrong, but I thought there was some sort of protection put on them in case they were in found. In case, yeah. Like, I, I, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember reading or at least hearing of a thing where these may be extinct or they're pretty much assumed to be extinct, but in the event that they do find one, they're automatically kind of blanket protected as, that a, makes as sense. a species. So I that think makes that sense. you can't kill one even if you do see one. But it still falls under, even though this is a, uh, a creature that's you know been documented in the record books, it still falls under the umbrella of cryptozoology, which <clears> is the study of unknown unidentified or um you know basically creatures that are un, uh, th that you don't expect to see so it's still under that category of cryptozoology and it really is interesting i mean i can't afford a ticket to go out there and look for myself but uh, yeah. i've got you kind of rooting for them you know they're they're underdog and i hope they make a comeback and and i hope they're protected and uh, i'm just waiting for someone to capture conclusive definitive evidence of one according to the parks and wildlife service in tasmania they were added to the protected uh, animal list in 1936. 1936. Oh, so Leave it so to Pat. Pat's protected. the fact guy, man. <laughs> Pat is nailing it down. I'm sitting here like, I think maybe. <laughs> maybe I done heard that, perhaps. Pat's like, this is fact. So, <laughs> Billy, Eddie. What, uh, do you know what year they went extinct? Or they were believed to be extinct? Uh, I don't. It doesn't say in this particular article. But Oh, here. Uh, the same year, 1936. Yeah. The last captive uh, thylacine died in Hobart Zoo yeah. in July of 36. Yeah. And, it, and it's so funny, and I don't like coming off this way because I, I am an optimist. It's one of those things that I think as you're an optimist and you're alive for a while, it starts to chip away maybe. Or not, not chip away. It takes on a little bit of a, of a tarnish. <laughs> but you're still an optimist even right. through it all. But it's one of those things that, like, someone asked me one time was, man, do you think if we found, like, a, let's just pretend, let's just get kind of crazy. Let's, we found a unicorn. You know, what would we do? Would people hunt that, do you think? I'm like, I think they would. I think they would, too. Oh, yeah. And, I, I, and this is kind of, like, underlying proof. I mean, here's an animal that, like, they're holding, and it's a horrible-looking picture, where they're holding the last one of its kind. And they're just snapping it off like a like a photo of it real quick before they go grab lunch. Right. And it's just one of those things. Like that it's I, a dime a dozen deer that someone shot in the yeah, wild. Yeah. They're yeah. holding the last of something in their hands, and they don't even think twice about it. Right. And it's just one of those things that like you have such high hopes for humanity, and you and there's things that do keep you excited. But when you see things like this, when an animal is hunted down to the point to where it's not even a thing anymore. It just kind of makes you kind of gives you pause. No pun intended. No pun intended. Pause. <laughs> but, right. Pause. You know, I uh, I also think you know what would people and 
kind of going off the rails here. I also wonder what people would do if uh, a UFO, you know, landed in the middle of Times Square. You know people would be shooting at it. Back to the future. You know, you'd he have people throwing beer cans at it from the rooftops. Get and, him! And then, the, you know, then the alien, you know, Joe the alien's going to look over at the guy next to him and say, see, I told you this race was too primitive to right. land and experiment on. Let's get out of here. I tell you. <laughs> when you look at a creature like Bigfoot, mm-hmm. you've got one camp that is wants to get video evidence of them inconclusive or not inconclusive conclusive conclusive evidence of bigfoot existing and then you got the other camp that wants to kill one right right. that's the only way we're going to be able to prove that he's real is if we kill one right so and they're always at odds to each other and it's probably the same same debate yeah same debate with this this creature you know well it's good to know that they're protected so even if they are making a comeback and people are seeing them more often you can't go down to your local bass pro shop in tasmania and get yourself a thylacine a license to shoot a thylacine yeah you know that's good that we're getting our wits about us now uh at this at this period in history so if you if you listen to us and you're out in the area of uh, new zealand australia or tasmania Feel free to shoot us any uh, opinions or, or better yet, some footage if you've captured some yourself. And uh, cool animal. Hopefully it's making a comeback. I agree. It's time for pop, culture, and the paranormal. Okay, so today we're going to talk about when I, I came up with the idea for pop culture and the paranormal yes and when i thought of that this is the thing that really motivated me this is what lives in your heart to to bring it out okay (laughs) you crack open pat's chest there's not a heart there there's a tiny little version of this (laughs) right there and what that is is bionic bigfoot yes so people are saying what is bionic bigfoot well a lot of people i'm sure are well familiar with Bionic Bigfoot. Bionic Bigfoot was born in the 1970s, and he was on <laughs> The Six Million Dollar Man, Lee Majors, Steve Austin, The Bionic Man. The, where he came across, uh, how he became to be known as Bionic Bigfoot was um, in an episode called The Secret of Bigfoot. It was season three, episode number 16. 16 and 17. It was a two-parter. It was one of those stay Ooh. tuned till next week, yeah. right? It was rough back then. How did you it couldn't, end? Yeah. You couldn't just binge watch. You had to go, wait an entire week yes. before you get the rest of the story. Earn so, it, kids. so what Bionic Bigfoot is, he's actually an alien cyborg that was created by a group of aliens visiting Earth. And he was constructed by the alien Shallon, who was played by Stephanie Powers who I had a huge crush on. She wore like this kind of blue disco type fitting suit. Oh, it was... Like most Like she'd be going to a rave or something? Oh, you're right, 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 right. (laughs) An alien discotheque. (laughs) And, and, uh... Oh, I'm just, (laughs) you know what she probably brought to that alien rave? Glow sticks. Glow sticks. (laughs) Yes! Oh my gosh, it's been too long. (laughs) You know what I'm trying not to laugh about, though, is, is so there's a certified hottie on the show, and I'm thinking, man, probably still to this day, Pat can't think of Bigfoot without getting aroused a little bit. Thinking <laughs> about Stephanie Powers. That's right. So, so Bionic Bigfoot was created to cultivate mystery and fear in a remote part of the Pacific Northwest in order to protect the location and identity of the alien secret base oh. in this mountain up there in the in the northwest. Sneaky, sneaky. And well, what ha- happens is Steve Austin and the OSI and some other scientists are doing experiments to try to, if I remember the story correctly, uh, they're studying earthquakes and a potential earthquake that was about to happen. Yeah. And how they could stop this earthquake. Well, they were getting too close to the aliens. So the aliens sent out Bionic Bigfoot to shut down the operation. And, of course, one thing leads to another. Steve Austin and Bionic Bigfoot get into it. Uh, I think Steve rips Bionic Bigfoot's arm off. That arm comes <laughs> off. Oh, no. That's one of the most iconic scenes they I remember. They start beating him with it. And exactly. there's, there's sparks, <laughs> and, and Bigfoot just kind of picks up his arm. and Eats it like a cob he's, of corn. He's screaming, and, <laughs> and he, he runs off, and Steve's like, Whoa, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I thought I was the only bionic kid on the block. 
By the way, Bionic Bigfoot played in that episode by... Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. I love that man. Um, God rest his soul. Well known from uh, the World Wrestling Federation, also Princess Bride, and a number of other movies. Anybody want a peanut? There there were actually uh, two different actors that played Bigfoot. In in the first two episodes, or the the two-part episode, it was Andre the Giant. And then uh, for the later installments, it was uh, an actor named... Ted Cassidy, hmm. who appeared, and um, something we'll get to a little later, there was actually a toy or an action figure created of Bionic Bigfoot, and Ted Cassidy's likeness was used used as the uh, the likeness on all the merchandising for that Bionic Bigfoot. I'm glad so, you had the actor's name. So a little name. bit trivi- that trivia. That is. That's awesome. I'm glad you had that guy's name, the actor's name, because I, when you said played by, I'm like, ironically played by uh, William Q. Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's really interesting is is uh, there are some, uh, you know, there's a, a camp of the Bigfoot believers out there who do subscribe to the idea that maybe they're linked with extraterrestrials right. or... You know that they're not uh, flesh and blood mammals, but that they're uh, you know actually Some, uh, like aliens dropped the, like they're aliens from a different planet who come down in spaceships and a lot of the transdimensional beings, transdimensional beings or whatnot. And some of them claim that that's why there's never any definitive evidence uh, because they can disappear at will, almost ghost-like. And then I think that drives the Bigfoot purist nuts. You know, like yeah, the right. like the Finding Bigfoot cast. That they believe that these are just flesh and blood animals, that they're biological, that they're, you know, that they're just out in nature. No ET, <laughs> no right. ET strings attached. But uh, anyway, just throwing that out there. So, so you've got uh, the first appearance in the bio, in the Six Million Dollar Man was uh, the two episodes in season three. Well, it, the next year he was such a popular. It was such a popular episode. They oh, wow. brought him back for the return of Bigfoot. Oh, wow. And, and so that was the season premiere of season four of The Bionic Man. And then not only was it uh, a season premiere for The Six Million Dollar Man, it was they tied it in with The Bionic Woman. Oh. And they brought Jamie Summers into the story. So, so this time you didn't have to wait a full week to see it. You watched... The season premiere of the uh, Bionic Man or the Six Million Dollar Man. I keep flip flopping. Yeah, exactly. I probably shouldn't. Purists are not going to be happy. Kill with you. Me. You're fine. So, so you see the return of Bigfoot on the Six Million Dollar Man, and then it was immediately followed by the season premiere of the Bionic Woman. Oh, and which part two? Right. Oh, nice. And and that was basically the part. Of course, Steve gets himself into trouble. Jamie has to go in and help him out. Which is kind of what paranormal dads do. All so the time. yeah, so that was the first four episodes, if you will, of of uh, of Bionic Bigfoot. And later on, it was kind of like they almost had to jump the shark. It's like ratings were starting to tank a little bit. This is season five, episode five of the Six Million Dollar Man, and they brought Bigfoot back. Bring him back for an episode. Uh, in that episode, it was. Uh, um, I think they they played it out as there were a couple of people out there hunting for Bigfoot. And uh, Steve goes out and is trying to save his friend, who is Bigfoot, from these people who are trying to hunt him down. So so that's kind of interesting. You get into the whole hunting Bigfoot thing. They became friends? Yes, yes. They absolutely become friends. Uh, In the first first installment or the first episode, the first storyline, they were friends by the end of it. And supposedly the aliens leave Earth or go back to where they came from. And then they come back and it's almost like Bigfoot's memory had been erased and they had to reestablish Bigfoot's knowledge of the Six Million Dollar Man and and kind of bring them back together. It's like, you remember I'm your friend. And, And they had a big fight, of course. And. Uh, <laughs> and then they made up. Then, I'm then sorry. They made up later. Uh, Hallmark has a card. I'm sorry, Bigfoot. I so. love, I love how formulaic stuff was, especially back then. It was like Bigfoot. We're friends. Remember what is friend? You know what I mean? <laughs> but if you came from a different planet, like, does he come from the same planet that Chewbacca came from? <laughs> That'd be so good. Planet full of Wookies. <laughs> planet Tusk. 
Kursk or whatever. I can't. Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what planet Chewbacca's from. That's yeah, that's Chewie's home from. planet. Don't that is Kashyyyk. some Star Wars trivia right there. <laughs> right here, up high. Up high. Hey. Woo! Star Wars high five. Uh, what I love, <laughs> Bigfoot holds up a sandwich. Is this friend? Eats it. <laughs> no, it's not a friend. That's a ham and cheese sandwich, <laughs> no! Bigfoot. No, <laughs> not friend. No. Are you so, uh, friend? No. <laughs> but yeah, that's that was probably the most. Uh, popular episode of the six million dollar man were the bigfoot episodes and so like i said they came out with a uh, an action figure of bigfoot mm-hmm. um he had the panel it was pretty cool he had a panel that you could take your six million dollar man uh action figure and have him punch his arm into a little button on the abdomen of bigfoot and his panel would like burst open and you'd see the little electronic circuitry in his chest and but that's kind of wrong because i don't think you ever saw his the circuitry in his chest right his arm that he ripped off that's his toy guy they have a pacemaker in there exactly (laughs) sorry bigfoot's on os but back in the day that that figure retailed it was like a 12 inch figure it was a good size figure but it uh, retailed for like seven or eight dollars nowadays you could buy one if you could find one in a box, you'd be paying like five hundred to seven hundred dollars for, for that Bigfoot. Thing, for Bigfoot. Oh. So I saw that on the Toy Hunter one time. He found a bionic Bigfoot and he was all excited about it. Yeah, that's a hefty he's price found money. tag. But yeah, it is. On a related note, guys, I was cruising down uh, Q Street today. Uh-oh. We were going down to South Omaha to have some uh, authentic Mexican food, and we are near like 40th and Q. And I see Bigfoot on the side of the road. <laughs> Like seven foot tall, like metal uh, kind of yard decoration kind of yeah. deal. And it, there was a for sale sign on it. Oh, and oh. I was like, those things, like I've seen them selling at other places around town for like 175 or something. I was like, oh, I was like, honey, I was telling my wife, I was like, I bet you we could talk that person down to like 50 bucks. Yeah. I mean, a life-size Bigfoot. I put it right in my backyard to scare off people yes. walking on the trail. For the maybe trail? Awesome. Yeah. I mean, hell, maybe we could chip in and go, uh, you know, each pay a third and then we I could rent we it out, to, rotate it. I think we need it. to do that. Well, there, there, there's this person that sells that yard ornament type stuff off of Pacific Street. Right, that, 120th that we and Pacific. To, I yeah. wonder if that's the same person. It was the same that, type that of Because that place is closed down. I, it's I seasonal. seen it. Oh, yeah. is it? Okay. Yeah, every like spring and summer they're out there. But yeah, okay. that, it's the exact same but one yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah, that would be so cool I say to we have chip that in. in your yard. And we, we can just rent awesome. it out. Like uh, I'll, I'll have it in the, in the spring and Pat can have it in the summer. Eddie has it in the fall. And then winter we'll just like randomly put it places around town like a John Doe and scare people. That would be so fun. Take fun pictures with it. <laughs> yeah. Like having yeah. Bigfoot. Where's Bigfoot? Like... It'd be like a Where's Waldo kind of thing. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. Uh, but but, but uh, kind of tie, tie up, put a big bow on uh, Bionic Bigfoot. There was another toy introduced into the $6 million man line where it was kind of like a racing set where you had these air pumps and two little, they almost looked like motorbikes. But it was, it was like Steve Austin and Bigfoot were sitting on recliners with wheels. It's kind of what they look like. And you would p- pump the air pump and push a button and they go shooting across the floor. So see, Steve Austin had his red, white, and blue cycle he was riding on. Bigfoot's was bright yellow. <laughs> of course <laughs> it was. Now, could you see Bigfoot racing through the forest on this bright yellow you know, motorbike thing, whatever it is. <laughs> that would be so awesome. You'd Bigfoot be walking like through the... Yellow. It's like, what's, what's that noise? Then all of a sudden you see Bigfoot racing. <laughs> come, come blasting out of the bushes, pop a wheelie and take off. Would he feel embarrassed or would he just own it and be awesome? Or, or you know, would he be embarrassed and, and mortified like the bear in the circus that they forced to ride a tricycle? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bigfoot rides stupid thing. <laughs> Bigfoot, his helmet doesn't fit, so it's like a little tiny helmet on his head. It's sitting on top of it and he blasts through. He's like, Bigfoot born free. <laughs> So, Ride or die. Evil Knievel Bigfoot. <laughs> that is awesome. So there you go. The 70s. Bionic Bigfoot. Oh, I love it. The <laughs> 70s were so alive with Bigfoot. Like fervor. They, they were. I mean, there are a number of uh, feature films in the theaters that you could go. And they were like documentary style films. Yeah. I'd love to talk about sometime. Um, but uh, yeah, Bigfoot was a big deal back then, and it even lingered into the '80s a little bit with Harry and Henderson's movie. You know, everyone's right. seen that. But uh, yeah, Bigfoot, yeah, not only uh, hopefully a part of the natural world, but uh, it captured our hearts and minds through pop culture as well. And now it's time for the main 
mystery. <laughs> Are you guys ready for this main mystery? I was born ready. Let's do it. I've been preparing this main mystery for months. <laughs> You are a liar, sir. You sit on a throne of lies. You smell like beef and cheese. This is, you know, this may not have been prepared or crafted over months, but this is something that's been persistent in my brain for a very long time. Um, I listened to a radio show, and I would bootleg it off of YouTube because it was like I didn't listen to radio at that time of night, and and you had to like subscribe to it, like pay the money, and. They would air the episodes on YouTube, but it was um, Coast to Coast with Love that Steve Nori. George right? Nori. Yeah. Sorry, George. And uh, he listens. <laughs> he does. He's a big fan of ours. <laughs> he is. He's a sponsor. <laughs> and, uh, and so one of the things that they started talking about was these structures on the moon. And I was like, what? So I just, I dialed in on this. It's probably a Starbucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's always. And so... I dialed in on that as a thing, and it just kind of opened up this whole world of kind of tying into ancient aliens and uh, ancient cultures that may have existed on planets within our solar system. So on this main mystery, we're going to discuss the moon and Mars as it relates to ancient aliens. Yep. I.e., you know, uh, civilizations that were intelligent and may have been there and left evidence in the past. Right. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with the Ancient Alien show on History Channel, which is one of my personal faves. Georgios, what, Sukulos? Yeah, Georgios Seleucidos. Where every time his hair is more outrageous. His hair is an ancient alien. Yeah, I love his it. hair, man, gets bigger each episode, and then they have to pan further and further out. He's like the Don King of the History Channel. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. Crazy hair. It's awesome. But um, My daughter has hair that kind of looks like him some some mornings with bedhead. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. We say, Giorgio, eat your Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> Not Giorgio. Not Giorgio. <laughs> But uh, so one of the uh, to come back to the moon part, one of the stories, and I am going to butcher this a little bit. In fact, fact checker Pat may be able to kind of fire this up as I as I rap lyrically. Um, but the story is that one of the astronauts who were on who was on the moon that narrows it down yeah. um, did witness structures on the moon, and this gets into this whole moon. Conspiracy, this conspiracy theory, theory yeah. debate. You know, I don't want to get into it too much, but did we really go on the moon? And is it a real thing? And all that. And we're all entitled to our opinions, but the bottom line is, you know, we did yeah. <laughs> go to the moon. <laughs> um, there's a guy who's actually the guy who uh, uh, I forget his name. Uh, he had spent. He's the longest. Uh, he he spent the most time in space. He just got back he's on the International back. Space Station. Yeah, yeah, he was over a year in space, and they're detailing out what his body is currently like going through being back on Earth, and yeah. it is like a horror movie. Like his body, right? oh, his body is just all sorts of messed up. Wow, from being a, a year over a year of zero gravity. But anyway, um, so the story is on the moon that this particular astronaut, and I'm losing all this credibility, not knowing who it was. <laughs> it's fine, but witnessed structures on the moon, and this is where. When they got there, the idea being that there's just certain things that we can't tell the public, so we're just going to kind of filter what they found and leave out things. But the idea being that it wasn't just like things that looked like, oh, that could be a rock formation of it. No, they're like this is clearly a building. Okay. This is clearly, in fact, one of the uh, one of the accounts was that it looked almost like a castle. That was the description that they had. So, in other words, not something that could be chalked up to just natural. <laughs> Topography. Yes. Yeah. And so, and then they were getting into the colors of what they were seeing on uh, of, of these structures. So it's not just all a dingy gray. Yeah. No, it wasn't. And they were describing like rainbow type color patterns and like the bridge to Thor's world, almost there like the know. rainbow bridge. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so they they were getting into also like evidence of technology being on the moon before men man got there. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things that really, as you start researching some of this stuff, and that research is a strong word, but basically looking up things that kind of help either reinforce or challenge these ideas. And the thought that crept into my mind, and it's one of those things that like we here on Earth use this as a thing where we're like, okay, well, here's science, here's evidence of a civilization that was here at some point in time. And it's a very valid question. What were to happen if you were to find evidence of a civilization on a planet where you thought that there weren't humans before? We'd have to rewrite the history books. Right. And 
it's a premise for a lot of good science fiction and a lot of other things, but there are people and there is, you know, people still say it's, you know, that, that, that act of human beings kind of finding faces where there are none. But the idea being that there could be evidence of that even on Mars on some level, like yeah. evidence of pyramids and other types of, uh, you know, that era of civilization on these planets. Um, and, and people have been using tools like there's actually a Google moon where you can uh, they have mapped the surface of the moon and they have been scouring through these images looking for things, especially like right angles and and stuff that you would consider to be man-made right so um but i could totally see there probably is there a google mars i don't know but i think there is but, <laughs> but it's all like it's you know it's you know as good as you're going to get from i'm sure it's are. probably coming if it's isn't there, there already is. yeah but uh you know looking for any uh any indication that there could be something man-made on the moon uh looking for shapes and like you said colors um, you know, that's, well, and then there, there are groups that t take that, um, take that thought and kind of run with it. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. And then you have uh, one of the more famous cases. It's the face on Mars. That's just, it's just known as the face on Mars. And it's kind of a, I think it's a natural phenomenon. I, th I think they've kind of debunked any, you know, notion that it was uh, artificially created. But yeah, if you look at just the right angle, I mean, this thing is massive. It's like the yeah. size of a, a, a mall. Uh, but, you know, it, the, the shadows and it kind of looks like an eye with a nose and a mouth and kind of the, roughly the shape of an alien kind of face. And uh, and, and there, there's a, a name for that, uh, you know, seeing shapes and other things. Like mm -hmm. when you see a potato chip like shaped like Abraham Lincoln and you right. say, well, it looks like something else. Um, That's the only but, chips I eat. By yeah, the way. yeah. Abraham Lincoln shaped potato chips. That's yeah. it. But... Uh, it is an interesting thing, and you know, if you remain open-minded, I, I kind of shrug my shoulders, and I'm like, eh, I'm willing to listen to anybody's theory on that because, uh, you know, our solar system, the universe itself, is a, it's a pretty old place. So who's to say that in the ancient past, you know, thousands, millions of years ago, maybe some intelligent uh, race was on our moon or on Mars or heck, even on Earth? Our moon is interesting, especially as you start reading these articles. And this is where you have to bear a certain amount of this in mind. You're like, okay, listen, I am going down the rabbit hole. I need to keep a little <laughs> bit of this. But some of the stuff, if you kind of like put it off to the side and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consider this and think about it later. Some of these reports come through, like some of these astronauts have reported seeing uh, vents and exhaust ports right. on the moon where why would there be an event and, a, and an exhaust port sticking out of the ground like, like a big like like a sewer tunnel almost sticking out of the ground in a moon and there's a strong there's a theory out there and I it, it's so out there but for me I'm like I shrug I'm like ah, I can't prove it or that the moon might actually be an artificial construct have you heard this Andy kind of like what is that the death star it's like a death star. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah I've heard that theory before yeah. and it's one of those you kind of have to Put it's, on the back burner and say, "Wow, that's really out there." But what if it's perfect? So someone's what? it's perfectly sized to block out the sun on an eclipse. Yeah. It's not. And despite that, you know, they're different. They're different distances away from the Earth. But when those two line up, it's not like the Moon's so small that it barely gets in front of the Sun, and it's not so big that it completely covers. It just covers it up. And I know that sounds coincidental. Like, well, that doesn't mean anything. But it's one of those things that's like that is kind of weird. Yeah, like it's perfectly sized to cover up the Sun. Um, the, they were going into the, the composition of the moon is of the earth. Like, yeah. like, like it's actually, you know, like some, and the actual real thing probably is that it was just pieces of earth that were ejected when it was smashed with a meteor during mm -hmm. all of that. And, you know, as gravity and all that does what it does, it formed into yeah. the moon. But other thoughts are like, well, yeah, because they mined it off the earth and shipped it up into the <laughs> to make this moon. Anyway. One of these documentaries that I watched was talking about how the how they think the moon was formed and kind of back when Earth was kind of a, you know, a, like Play-Doh was yeah. malleable and it was kind of like molten lava, basically a planet the size of uh, Mars mm -hmm. smashed into us and all the debris flew into outer space and gravity did its thing and kind of swirled around right. a circle in a whirlpool and eventually kind of condensed and cooled into what we now have as the moon. Uh, but yeah, or 
Yeah, or it was built by aliens, and maybe it's hollow. And uh... or the giant experiment that that is humanity needed the moon to stabilize the oceans, so the aliens built the moon to keep our oceans from killing us all. We're just, just a science experiment. We're living in an ant house, man. One thing that boggles my mind is how we went to the moon in the '60s, right? Mm-hmm. And and then we created the space shuttle. Yep. And we have the space station that orbits the Earth. You know, for years now. Oh, we've never been back to the moon. That's always kind of like, yeah. Uh, I assume it's cost prohibitive, but uh, you would think we'd go back there at some point. I know the Chinese have been talking about they want to build a base on the moon. You know, there's a theory for that too, by the way. <laughs> What's well, that? We were told not don't... to go back. That oh, that we were told not oh. to go back. That that whatever we stumbled across scared there was, us so much. It's there like, was that. Don't don't go back there. Or a direct interaction that was like, yeah, don't come back. Well, I saw I saw a movie where you know it was uh you know the dark side of the moon kind of deal, and they go over into the shadows, and then they get attacked by these spiders that are you know like the size of you know like a giant octopus, kraken kind of thing. I saw the movie. It is weird that it doesn't revolve <laughs> though, right? Like, why doesn't? I mean, there's obviously it, the a same side always faces always us. Faces always, us. yeah. yeah. It doesn't revolve. It has no or it has an orbit, but it doesn't have a revolution. It doesn't have a um, what's the word? Rotation. Thank you. And it's like a, it's creepy if you think about it. It's like a guy who just keeps circling you and won't take his eyes off you. I know. It's like why is that? I just love Pink Floyd. <laughs> dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> I'm more of a The Wall guy. I like The Wall. Oh, Dark Side of the Moon is so great. It is good though too. You turn the lights off and you start listening to that music. I was telling my son about this. Mm-hmm. You just. They've got so so much going on on that album. Oh yeah, you know, with the sound effects, and it's going not not only just the sound effects, but it's your left ear, your right ear. You know, it changes. And uh, you're talking about Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, yeah Pink Floyd. I think I read a little fun fact on on a little one of these little fun fact books that that album, like one of the songs on that album, was on the top ten list and on like radio rotations for like 59 weeks yeah, or something. So. It was insane. It was <laughs> yeah. like more than a year that it was like number one. But I'm sorry. <laughs> no, where are we even at Moon? Okay, moon. never apologize for Pink Floyd interlude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's the moon and Mars. And Mars, for me, for me personally, just captures my interest. You know, there is a theory, and this kind of does tie to ancient alien theory. Um, there's this fascination in ancient cultures with the sky yeah. and, and particular planets. And one of the uh, fan theories or even active theories out there is that there may be, you know, this whole panspermia thing, yeah. obviously, it probably has some legitimacy to it. Where like cells from another place landed here, and that's where maybe Earth on life. Yeah, transpermia. It's basically like a bacteria or or some sort of organic life hitching a ride on a, right. like an asteroid or meteor, crashes into a different planet, and then that bacteria seeds it. Right. it seeds the planet and then grows into a quote unquote intelligent beings like us. Right, exactly. <laughs> who shoot it? Who shoot at aliens? Right. But um, this other thing is a little bit of an expansion on that where. The thought is that there may have been a culture of humans living on Mars back when Mars was habitable, before it was what it is now, before it was this irradiated death ball. Right. Uh, Mars maybe at some point had been more, there's evidence that there was water on Mars and that it had a breathable atmosphere. And so the thought being that there may have been at some point in time a human culture on Mars that had on some level a degree of primitive space travel and saw a disaster coming, whether it was brought on by themselves or just natural occurrences, and were like, we gotta get out of here. Earth is the nearest planet, very Battlestar Galactica-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we gotta get out of here before Mars becomes uninhabitable, so they literally bounce, and they can't send everybody, so they send, you know, almost like an Adam and Eve kind of thing. Yeah. Send off a small colony to Earth, hey, you know, that is a thing. That's that's an actual thing. And I mean, on some level, it'd be weird. But for me, it does excite my imagination. Where it kind of like, makes sense what if, that if you really think about happened? it. And wouldn't it be really weird if sometime in the distant future, if we could, uh, what's it called, terraform uh, Mars? Yeah. In other words, you know, make it green again and adjust the the atmosphere and ecosystem, even if it's like artificially in like domes or whatnot. Right. And then when our planet's right on the brink of extinction, going back to Mars, it's yeah. just yeah. like just pinballing back and forth every couple Mars million Earth, years Mars, Mars, Earth, Mars, Earth, Mars, Earth, Mars, Mars on Mars till our planet gets fixed and then 
like you say, ping ponging back and ping forth. Ping ponging back. It's, it's like rental property. Like rental property. Or I and I'm not. I don't know anything about farming, but I've heard like they'll take turns. Like they'll farm on this piece of land one one year, and then on this piece of land another year, and they kind of alternate back and forth uh, to give it a chance to get fertile again. Yeah. Uh, so kind of like that, but it's a it's a good theory. And yeah, you're right, Eddie. They've virtually proven pretty much beyond a shadow of a doubt that at one point in time mars was lush and green had breathable air and it, it just what they call it is a runaway greenhouse effect where there was too much carbon dioxide in the air and then it became hot and it became sterile and it basically once you melt away that that outer atmosphere that shields the the sun rays you know it just cooks your planet yeah sadly that's what's happened in earth exactly. right now very yeah. slowly but with global warming and everything and our co2 emissions from you know vehicles and whatnot that we yeah we could be living on a planet very much like mars you know in a few million years down the road this is where it comes off very like mad maxi yeah and yeah. very like mad maxi <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those things that like if you look at ancient stories and cultures and you kind of apply what we understand like pat you know stuff to be and it becomes more and more obvious. And this is a great bit by Joe Rogan, where and he got it from a Terrence McKenna talk, where it was like, if you take humans right now, like you, me, and Pat cannot build a cell phone. No. Like right now. We right. can't. We don't know how. We don't, we don't know how. We don't have the materials. So if you remove our ability to kind of keep like leapfrogging off of the next biggest thing. If there's an event, like let's just say... If we had to start from scratch again. The best you're going to get is cowboy days. That's it. That's the best you got. You don't have antibiotics. You don't have... So the best we have is frontier times. And even then, it's going to get more and more harsh and more and more brutal and resources are going to become more and more thin. And And I'm stealing this from Joe Rogan, but I'm giving him credit. He goes, what happens is... There's a giant cataclysm, and you try to defend your house as long as you can, but your house is crumbling apart because it's made of cheap stuff. It doesn't last a long time. So then basically you you end up leaving the house, and you can't carry all your stuff with you, so you only bring the essentials. And so then your clothes get ripped and torn. Over time, your language gets more and more simple because you can't waste time expanding giant thoughts. you got to go, go, go. It's a crazy environment. You go to these caves so you can stay alive because the <laughs> caves are, are hewn from rock. I see where this is going. And they last forever. And before you know it, you've got long hair and you have a spear and you're just pointing <laughs> it at things and grunting because that's all you can do. <laughs> and all you can do is tell stories of how this land before... This giant, you had you had cars and planes and things flew in the air and it all gets chalked up as myth. And then and then over time, the civilization reboots itself and they look back at that guy with a spear and they're like, that's where we came from. Not even realizing yeah. that. So the idea being that humanity does this, it's not a tr- constant trajectory. It has a series of peaks and valleys. It's like a cycle. And so that's... I have a feeling we're headed towards a valley. <laughs> <laughs> The glory days. But that's my thing. Is ancient cultures, when you ask a lot of them, where did you come from? Where did you come from? They point to the sky. Sky people. And at one point, it's like, you know, well, that's because they were primitive and stupid. Or is it because maybe we came from the sky? Yeah. And that's all, you know. There's, and and some people might scoff at the ancient alien theory. There's there's too much evidence out there that lends credibility to it. There's paintings uh, you know, paintings of like biblical time type of things where there's things in the sky that's not a star, not a bird. They didn't have aircraft and it looks like a dang UFO. Mm-hmm. There's other stories uh, from the, uh, as, as recent as the 15, 1600s in Germany. I think it was Nuremberg, but it's somewhere in Germany where people documented like and hundreds and thousands of people witnessed these aerial battles right. between ships that flew in the sky and shot laser beams at each other and they were glowing and they were on fire and they were flying around uh, faster than they could even describe. Yeah. You got things like this going on. It That's just makes you wonder, crazy. man. I mean, it, it really does. So. I, yeah, I mean, it just gets the hubris of our modern mindset of like, well, we know much more than than they did, so it doesn't matter. And then you get into a thing where I don't know, maybe they were telling the truth. Yeah, you know, and maybe Bigfoot is an android, good <laughs> <laughs> old Bigfoot with an artificial heart. <laughs> What's crazy is you zoom in on you zoom in on a bionic Bigfoot's heart, and it's Pat. <laughs> what? But, but yeah, hey, so out there, what are your thoughts on the moon and Mars? I mean, do they fascinate you? Are they just boring hunks of rock? 
Uh, is the moon hollow full of guys throwing levers? Is there a guy asking for a handrail so he doesn't fall off and the laser comes out? <laughs> well, I want a handrail right here. What's going on? The moon's made of cheese. It's made of cheese. I forgot the cheese theory. Well, and then you have the flat earthers who... <laughs> oh, thank you. And he yes. just groans we every time. <laughs> it's flat funny. earthers. My wife was just telling me this story before I came over here tonight. So I mentioned you the guys moon. probably know it better than I do. But. I mentioned the moon might have been being a construct, and yet I'm laughing at flat earth theory (laughs) (laughs) there are people out there who believe that the earth is flat and that every photograph and video and astronaut who claims uh, otherwise it's just uh they're just bogus and it's a conspiracy theory (laughs) if you even if you threw away everything that's scientific about the flat earth theory and we're just like okay the amount of lying that would have to happen on just normal people like just a pilot just a guy that flies around i mean I work in the land of me- like long distance measurement and surveying. Like we have to accommodate for the curvature of the Earth, right? And it's not just well, you know, because their 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 other side is well, it's not actually flat like a pizza. It's more like a top of an egg. It's got a little bit of a curve. No, because we have to factor in an entire circle, an entire sphere. It's not mm-hmm. just we're, we're figuring for part of it. Actually, when you factor in a measurement of uh, you know, 10 miles, you had to take into account the circumference of the earth. So it's like people who do that don't really take into account things like surveying and long distance mapping. and <laughs> the, the, the level of denial that a person would have to put themselves through to truly genuinely believe that the earth is flat and that everybody else who believes otherwise is lying or delusional. It just boggles my mind. But what recently kind of made the news and, and did you have the article pulled up, Pat? Yeah. It's, okay, it's oh a recent gosh. article of this guy. <laughs> This guy, the Washington Post, um, let's see, California man plans to launch himself 1,800 feet high Saturday in a homemade scrap metal rocket in an effort to prove that the Earth is flat. Um, he's, he's postponing the experiment after he couldn't get permission from uh, the federal uh, agency to conduct it on public land. So uh, anyway, the launch is going to take place sometimes next week on private property, um, in some unincorporated community along Route 66. And he said, the guy says, quote, it's still happening. We just moved it three miles down the road. And uh, he says, this is this is what happens anytime you have to deal with any kind of government agency. And uh, I, this guy also has been quoted as <laughs> saying, I don't believe in science. <laughs> I, I love his thing. This is what happens when you have to deal with any governmental agency. They just won't let you j- blast off a giant steam-powered rocket that weighs as much as a semi over populated areas. <laughs> Jerks. I mean, and it, just... the article goes on to say, assuming the 500 mile per hour mile long flight through the Mojave Desert does not kill him, Hughes told the Associated Press that his journey into the at to the Atmos Flat Atmos Flat. Oh, that's what they call the atmosphere? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Atmos Flat, it's, not the it's atmosphere. Not it's not a sphere. He, he says it'll mark the first phase of his am- ambitious Flat Earth space program. Um, good it, luck to you, Mr. Hughes. He but but if you look at this guy, my wife is telling me the story, and there, she's talking about steam-powered rockets, and you look at the picture of this guy. This is Evil Knievel's rocket. If you remember back in the 70s, he tried to jump Snake River Canyon <laughs> in a steam-powered rocket. He ended up basically going straight down into the canyon. Uh, luckily, he had a parachute. Wiley Coyote style. Later, uh, just recently, <laughs> past a year or so, his son attempted the same stunt, and he actually made it. But, uh, Is that Robbie? Robbie, Robbie Knievel. Robbie yeah. But he tends to put a little more science, a little more thought befi- behind his 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 uh, stunts. Stunts. Measure twice, cut once, kind <laughs> exactly. of approach. Yeah. yeah. Evil. Evil. He's just like, let's do it. More let's dynamite. More dynamite. <laughs> go speed. But that's exactly what this guy reminded me of. Uh, he just his his launch mechanism is actually a Winnebago. Yeah. And he's got some, you know, a launch pad built over the Winnebago. and It's all welded on, all yeah, rickety looking. It's, it's just... He, <laughs> but I, he's excited about it. He says, quote, I'm really behind the eight ball on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've really got to go. My investors are going to kill me. i got to get up there. Old Roy Dogfood's not going to be happy if I don't get this up in the air. Gosh, and we can joke now. We won't be joking in a week because I'm yeah. genuinely afraid this guy will not be alive anymore. <laughs> I watched his test video. 
He did a test flight. Did you watch this? No. He has a test flight video on YouTube. I invite anybody to watch this. And like Andy had said, it's a steam-powered rocket. This baby, he's a steampunk flat earther. <laughs> and and he's got his goggles on. He's got his, like, clockwork, like, watch. <laughs> his mustache waxes out. And I watched this rocket take off. So I'm used to seeing, like, you know, NASA rocket, like, real rockets, which look like, you know, they're gigantic com- controlled explosions. And this looks like somebody's, like, iron got left on, and it just, like, shot off into space. <laughs> Mist comes flying out. It's, it's one of those, like, old, old not old-timey, but the rockets that we had as kids that you pump up with air, and then you pull the lever, and it pops off. That's what it looked like, which is what it is. It's just pressured water, right? Right. And so it goes off, and this thing tears off, like doesn't believe in science yeah he went from zero to whatever this top speed was in no time and he isn't like strapped in or whatever this thing takes off and it's done from his perspective he has like a he has like a gopro strapped to his head so you can't see him you just see what's he you just see what he sees right and it looks like the most vicious car accident you've ever seen it shoots off you get the you know he's in the air because he's doing this like spot like a football thing his rocket's doing the football pass where it's just spiraling. Spiraling. And then it plows into the dirt. And it doesn't, like, skid to a stop. It, like, just goes boom and just stops. <laughs> like, I'm like, he's dead. Like, it liquefied his organs. And then the uh, article attached to it was like, this was his test flight. And it took him three days to recover from the test flight. Just the physical stresses of all that. I'm like, this guy's he's going to turn himself into a... A snack pack. <laughs> <laughs> so what is what's what's his plan? Is it is his whole thought to get up there in the air to prove that it's flat? He can't he, get he high to, enough. Yeah, I don't, he wants I don't to get up high he, enough to prove that there's no curvature of the earth. He's going to take a picture of it and and prove that that there is no curvature to the horizon. I don't he's going to get ten feet off the ground and he's <laughs> not going to see a curve. See, I told you so. The flat earthers. I mean, even for them, as crazy as they are, they believe that it's huge still, like long enough, big enough, certainly for China to exist on the same horizontal plane as us. So and that's far away. So he's never going to see that if he get he has to get up in space right. to, to see. He's not going to get in space. What if he did? You know that that weird. Did you guys see that guy that that did the world's largest uh, skydive? He did it from the right. threshold yeah. of space. That was Yeah. That was BA, crazy. dude. That was I awesome. I was like he passed out halfway yeah, he passed down. Out. I oh, anyway, he would have to get like Above that, which gravity yeah. would cease to work on him at that point. He'd be like, oh, no. Then he'll turn into a popsicle and say, oops, should have brought a spacesuit." <laughs> exactly. I don't believe in science. It doesn't oh. work on me. Oh, man. I, you know, it's just his nickname is Mad Mike Hughes, by the way. Mad Mike Hughes? Mad Mike, Mad Mike That's Hughes. appropriate. Well, good luck, Mad Mike Hughes. Oh, man. I hope you make it. I hope you make it, buddy. Whether the Earth is flat or not, it's not going to make much difference because he's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> That's your happy thought. By well, anybody. on that note, uh, yeah. Hey, well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Paranormal Dads. Um, first of all, uh, be sure to uh, download us on iTunes, Pod, uh, Podbean, or Stitcher Radio. We're on Facebook at Paranormal Dads and uh, also on Twitter at Paranormal Dads. Um, websites paranormaldads.com. And along with this uh, episode in the show notes, we'll go ahead and put some links and pictures to some of the articles that we were referencing uh, during the show. So thanks for staying with us as we totally went off the rails there, as we, <laughs> we sometimes do. And uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. The sound effects brought to you by freesounds.org. Peace out, people. Thank you.